This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. Right. Um, let's just jump right in. Uh, on a scale of uh, one to ten, how impressive was Logan Paul in that match? Jack Farmer, go. I'd I'd give him a, a solid seven, seven and a half. I think he, I think he 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 knows how to entertain. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's like. Is he going to be someone we look back on as the greatest technical wrestler of our generation? No, but man, I think that he just gets it and it was fun. And I tell you what, that frog splash near fall, my heart stopped for a second. They got me on that one. So uh, I, I, I'm saying a seven. I think I want to lean towards eight, but I'll say a seven because he, he, he impressed uh, at SummerSlam as well. I agree. I think in a vacuum, this match was, as far as Paul goes, is really spectacular. And obviously, a lot of that credit goes to Roman Reigns, who has had some of the best matches of his career in situations where it seems like he's going to, he's forced to carry the other person, at least to some degree. Um, You know, uh, is, is, is Logan Paul future WWE champion, as uh, some people in the comment section are saying? Yeah, I think we'll look back on tonight with some, um, with some interest in, in coming years, if he's still around, because this is either where he started making his name, making, you know, earning that cred or where the, where the, you know, st- the seams began to show a little bit because he's so much fun. And this is just such a good match. Um, but you know, well, can Logan Paul be champion? I think it's an open question. Um, Phil Schneider, a longtime Logan Paul yeah, fan, you know, uh, even before his WWE no, days. Well, what did you, I what did you think about the main event? Yeah, Vine is Vine still a thing? No, it rules. He rules. He, it was a ten. Look, he this is his third match, Jeff. I mean, you know, Akiyama was really good in his third match. Bass Root was really good in his third match. There's not a lot of wrestlers who were really good in their third match. And you know, and he's working kind of against his strengths too, right? I mean, he was kind of a babyface in this match, and he really is a. I think he showed in his first match that where he excels as being like a repulsive heel. So working outside of his strengths too, and something like this. No, it's a ten. Uh, who else is here? Yeah. Oh, Greg Hyde. Greg, how you doing, man? What, doing. What, where Where do you think? Where, do you think that the that this main event is steering us towards further conflict between the Impulsive Crew and the Bloodline, or is that just a you know the schmas necessary to have a to, to have a big finish in this match? What I love about that question and and this event is that I don't know. I I really don't because when I saw his crew get dragged over the barricade and and beat down by the Usos, the first thought that popped into my head, without you know me saying or, or feeling good or bad one way about it, was like, is H crazy enough to put put them in war games? Like like is he just crazy enough to to have Jake and Logan and their two homies whose names I don't know because I guess I don't watch enough YouTube? Is he crazy enough to put them? in war games or some type of high-profile Survivor Series situation with the bloodline. And I really don't know. I really don't. But but that confrontation with Solo and uh, Jake really has it set up for, for more. 
even more than the the main event and the outcome of the main event. Um, I don't know, man. Those, the, I was not impressed by the hangers on part of that match. Uh, I thought the Jake solo uh, showdown was cool. The Jake knockout punches were not, and and I, I don't think I would. I, I think you know it's tough to do a war games where you've got like four semi-trained guys in the match. Yeah. You know, you know, Logan Paul, you know, bring in a bunch of actual wrestlers and have them come in for like a, the big, you know, closing moments and script some stuff up. But I don't know if like, are you looking for your long Arn Anderson open the match section to be with whoever the hell uh, Logan Paul's podcast guy is? And <laughs> or something like that. No. No, but, you're right. He's probably Triple H is probably not crazy enough to do it, especially because this war games is gonna, you know, is, is a big piece of his of his rep right now. You know, bringing this back is gonna be a thing that people immediately uh, connote with him, and uh, and I think he's probably gonna want to get the best bell to bell out of it. That said, um, it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it'll be interesting to see if we see any more of the of the uh, of the impulsive crew. I frankly think that Logan Paul is a much more effective wrestler without it, though. I just think that I think that the the more distance he can get from being Logan Paul while still being Logan Paul is probably the best. Although I'm an old man, so you know I could be totally wrong about that. Um, I I I think with the if I could jump in real quick, I think with that crew being there, I don't think they were necessarily the most important part of the match, but they were very much the magician's assistant where I don't think they were supposed to be great. They were just supposed to add distraction in a way that allows all of us to think something's happening. Is this going to be an opportunity for a Paul to get a win here? And I think they did that great. Were they the greatest punches ever thrown? No, but I don't think that really matters for what they were being doing at that point. Wait, is is Flobo here and not and not given permission to speak? What's what, yes, what? yes, Flobo's. Uh, Brian, Flobo's where is being Flobo? Denied. This is the long standing, the long standing feud between Ringer Wrestling HQ and Flobo is finally coming to a I head. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> I think Nick is here too. So, we need to let him speak. Okay, get Nick in here too. Gosh, uh, Flobo, um, we're just we've just been talking about the main event. How close? How, how how close did they have you to believing that a that a Logan Paul win was possible inside in in the in the last stanza of that match? I'm not sure how many credit to, to to Logan or Jake or Solo or Roman, but I jumped out of my chair like three times because because there was some there were some three counts that got really close to that mat, and then you had Wade Barrett basically going, "Oh my God, it could be a new champion." I was into it. I totally went full bore in. So that one, I really thought was going to be a squash, to be honest with you. But I'm glad it wasn't. Just how many near falls it was, and also it's like the part of it is, well, is somebody in the Saudi government crazy enough? to write a big enough check because they want Logan Paul to win the title too. I mean, there's that part of it, right? Like the, we, this is a weird pay-per-view. We don't know what, what the, what the, what the marching orders are. Maybe they, you know, they wanted a title change and this was the one way to do a one-off one was kind of what I was thinking on a couple of those near falls. Like, I don't know what, what the hell's going to go on in the show. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, it was a night where, I mean, listen, we talked, everybody talked going in. This, this one seemed like a foregone conclusion and the magic was going to be in how well they could, you know, convince you that, that uh, there is an opportunity for something else to happen. I thought it was a really well constructed match. Um, but rolling it out forward, if it's not the impulsive crew, anybody can jump in here. Uh, and it is, and it is the bloodline that we see as, as half of the war games match. Who's going to be on? The impulsive podcast. I think they're going to record a podcast during the match. That would be my guess. Oh my lord! <laughs> I that I mean, I'm sure they'd find a way to make that interesting. But if it was the impulsive guys versus the bloodline, oh, I, would, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you could <laughs> maybe believe that they'd have a shot there. I think, oh, Jake they, Paul's work punches didn't do anything for you. I I thought they were really good. I thought they were Shane McMahon esque. <laughs> I was. I mean, I, I love the, the the Logan Paul guys. They're super like entertaining to me. But if you were putting them in a cage with the entire bloodline, I don't know if you could find a way to make that. You could work. make five Logan Paul clones, and I don't think the match would work. No, I was kidding, one hundred percent. If it's not the impulsive crew, who do we like? Who do we like as the opposition in that match? I don't think the bloodline can be in it without it feeling one sided. 
I think the bloodlines is too strong. I don't know if there's any any already formed team you could put put there that the bloodline doesn't seem like they would just I, run right through. That's the th- I would say the New Day and the Brawling Brutes could do something, but I don't know if either of them are separately a big enough deal, but they all have beef. It would be five people. I think it could work and it would be an awesome match, but I, I don't know if story. That could work with a sub Roman, right? You have Sammy and Solo and the Usos against New Day and Brawling Brutes. I can it's five on five, though. Sure. Said, they said 10 men or 10 competitors. Oh, for, the, for the War Games or for the Survivor Series? Do you have Survivor Series matches as well? Or just for War, War Games, I think they said 10 competitors, which. Yeah, five plus five is ten, isn't it? I have to double check that. You're the sad guy. Don't use your fancy numbers in here. I'm saying, are there also going to be Survivor Series matches? I don't believe there's going to be traditional Survivor Uh, Series matches at all, no. Um, Lobo, David broke this news on TheRinger.com. No, I understand. Right, okay, got it. (laughs) They're all writing our checks. This is why we don't let Flobo into the group. (laughs) <laughs> oh, be nice. Uh, everybody get in the chat with your ideas about who who could... who. Okay, Imperium Brutes is one of the, uh, the options in there. I, mean, um, I actually think that this match was hot enough. That, I mean, I don't... Having Jake Paul's podcast buddies in this, I think, kind of silly, but you could do a thing where you, you give Jake Paul a, a, a mean street posse of guys, you know, in developmental or something like that or actually trained wrestlers. And you know, you, you, and uh, something like that might work. Like Jake Logan and three Jake Paul friends who are actually just NXT guys. I mean, rebranded. Like, look, I like the idea of uh, Jake going in. Like, they tease Jake and Solo, right? So Jake can go in there with Solo. Um, Logan goes back at Rome, and the New Day being in there is also intriguing. If they're doing just like uh, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal for whoever goes up against the Bloodline, but. I really don't know who would be in that fifth spot. I mean, KO hasn't been around, so does he jump in there? Well, well he explicitly yeah, hasn't been around because they don't know what to do with him relative to Sammy and them. So if he's going to come back and do something big, this would probably be it. Yeah, I think that the, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but if you had to just imagine something that wasn't, just plain as day, I think a sort of like KO-led Super Friends squad would make some sense. Um, and then they could go ahead and, you know, if, if, if they've decided they're going to push the button on whatever the next phase of the Sammy, <laughs> the Sammy Zayn thing is. I don't know. I mean, I think if you took a popular vote, we'd all be happy to let Sammy Zayn keep his title of honorary use for, you know, another year. But but I just eventually it'll shirt, be time. So they better have it for a little bit longer. <laughs> Listen, even if Sammy's no longer an honorary use, you can still say that you're an honorary use. So, uh, by purchasing the shirt, you're helping to buy their summer homes. Uh, okay, let's go through some of the rest of the card a little bit. Well, we'll just go to the, the semi-mate because uh, it was a pretty incredible match. Bianca Belair retained the title against Bailey. Um, uh, I don't know exactly how to compare near falls in the main event and the, you know, to near falls in this one, but there were, uh, to their credit, a bunch of, you know, schmozzy, what, you know, gimmick spots that I, that could have very well been the ending of the match in, in any other falls count anywhere match. I thought that the, that the storage, the storage crate was going to be the ending. I thought the golf cart was going to be the ending. The and they just, steps, you know, don't forget had, about that. She- Oh yeah, that steel step spot was great. There was a lot of moments that could have been the ending, um, and then they finally, you know, when they got there, it felt earned. And I think that it's a little bit of a, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I've watched a lot of wrestling in my time, and it's a little bit of a uh, maybe a little bit too much self awareness in what I'm about to say, or just general postmodernness or whatever. But like the hardest thing in these last standing, last man, last person standing matches, is to sort of feel like you've earned it by the end. You know, and and they and I thought they really pulled it off. Um, uh, Flobo, why don't you get in here first? What did you think about that about the women's championship? That match? was hands on my match tonight, and I know that people who listen to Mac Mania podcast every Tuesday on the Ring of Wrestling Network uh, knows I'm a big Bailey fan. But you had the match, you had the stakes. It came after two matches that didn't have the best crowd engagement, but it was a perfect balance of comedy and earnestness. There, protected Bailey going the long run with her injury and her run of form. Bianca looked strong. For me, I did not like the fact the 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 good guy in this case used the gimmicky 
ended with the ladder, like how he had Cena tie up Batista's uh, ankles when they had their last man standing match. But that was a very minor gripe. To me, I was entertained top to bottom. I uh, I feel like I love the idea of last person standing matches, but then when I watch them, I always feel like they're so slow because, like we say, with there's no near falls because you have to wait till the referee counts to ten so many times, and there's so much time spent where we're just kind of watching someone stumble to their feet for ten seconds. Uh, that said, as far as how this was put together, I don't think there's anything I would change about. It. I thought it, they did everything that you would want to make a great last person standing match. And I actually love the way it ended uh, as opposed to what Flobo says. I thought that was very clever the way they used the ladder to sort of keep Bailey stuck down. I thought that was kind of a, a very smart way to do it. I think they did a lot of cool stuff here. And I definitely think that there'll be a lot of clippable moments from this match. I just, I find with last person standing match personally, I just find myself getting bored watching them do the count to 10 over and over and over again. Yeah. I, I agree with Flobo too that this was the the match of the night for me. Um just be, and and I gotta say, shout out to Bailey. Just hands down off rip. You know, everybody knows I love Bianca, but I, I gotta give some flowers to Bailey for the performance tonight or this afternoon or whenever wherever it is, wherever you're hearing this. Just because <laughs> there were se- there were several points in which I felt like just as much as we know everybody goes out there and they put their bodies on the line, it felt like she really did that like when she fell off the ramp i was concerned for her leg and then she just kept kept it going and then at the end when she it looked like she moved the chair in the way so that her knee took some of the impact i would it just felt i was just like damn yeah she's giving her all when 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 they did the table spot the golf cart into the other table spot outside the ring Right when she was going to take that power bomb through, she, Bailey looks back over her shoulder, and I was just like, you know, not a big deal, but I was like, okay, she's just trying to figure out the best way to fall, and then seemingly with full knowledge, just decided to take the most gnarly version yeah. possible. Like she, like she, like snapped her own neck as like hard as she could to give herself whiplash in the mall. I mean, it was, it was. I agree. She and was, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that table spot too, because when the table didn't break. Like my heart stopped a little bit. I was just because it, it reminded me of that Shawn Michaels on the casket table spot. And I'm like, this is the spot that ended him. And then she kept going at at full speed for another five, ten minutes after that. So, you know, presumably she's all right. But it's just like those risks that she was taking was it was just to bring us the violence and the entertainment and you know, shout out. Yeah, I really uh I really like the the thing where she slipped off the ramp. That was a fun like early in the match sort of heel spot where she, you know, maybe, maybe she turned herself as kind of a weird setup, And then she kind of, you know, throws that form. I, I really like that. I could have done with all the golf cart. That was my only real complaint about what was otherwise a good match. I don't think that, I didn't think that paid off well and being kind of goofy. It was, I thought that, I thought it, was really it felt like too risky of a platform to do a lot of stuff. Like the roof was a little goofy and it just, it didn't seem like all of the other stuff was very short footed in a literal sense, <laughs> in a literal sense, but that felt very like, like fly by night and and it didn't fit with the rest of the match. I kept waiting for like a live golf punchline that never really landed either. So, um, yeah, it was, it, I, anyway, I mean, it was, it, it was not terribly offensive to me, both literally, or, I mean, both on, on those terms or on, in, in terms of what happened in the match, but yeah, that was a, it was a hell of a match. And I guess my big question coming out of it, I mean, I think that the conventional wisdom has been that this feud will, will, you know, roll forward into, into the survivor series war games match in some form or fashion as well. Um, uh, whether I, you know, I've been predicting it, they're going to, they would just do like three, three person teams for the women's match because it would make so much more logistical sense, but who knows what they'll do. And who knows if that, if there were, if it's even going to be the matches that we expect, but was it, was it significant? Bianca used the ladder, used the, you know, used the, used, well, a foreign object, whatever, to win this match. Uh, there's been some conversation in the in the comments about whether or not that was a heel move. Do you think this does anything new for Bianca's character? No, I don't think that was a heel move at all. I don't think I don't think you can think of it in those terms with the last man standing match. Just because the baby face thing to do, then you know, based on that critique, is the dumbest thing to do, which is not use any weapons and not use your surroundings and not 
throw everything back at the heel that they're throwing at you because it's it's legal. So what's the alternative is just to not use anything and then then you just look stupid. Yeah, and also I, the Yeah, I I agree. I think I think Bianca using the ladder is just being smart. I, I think her not using it would make her look stupid. I, I agree with Greg hundred percent. Bailey was doing a lot of trap you and stuff near falls too. So like closing it, it finishing it with a trap and something near fall kind of makes sense as a as sort of a you know turning the tables thing. Right? That was something she was doing a lot of. Uh, we got to keep rolling on the show. There's so much. I mean, talk about that. I mean, I'm sure that that was probably most people's match of the night, but there were a lot of matches on this card that I thought were just sort of just little gems or very well done for what they what they were supposed to be. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know, the Lesnar-Lashley match was a little bit of a shocker coming off at the beginning. Uh, Lesnar basically working underdog the whole match, like working like he was the other guy in a Brock Lesnar match and, and, and snuck out the win, but, uh, but ended up, you know, not looking great. Bobby Lashley kept the full Nelson on after the match and then did a post-match interview where he, where he seemed to sort of wonder what was next for him. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, just to run through some of the rest, the Usos rolling bruise match was very, very good. Uh, very, totally solid. I think the longer the Usos go, the more you sort of, uh, you know, forget how good some of those matches are immediately after they happen. But, uh, but that was a good one. And then, Strowman Omos was, uh, you know, kind of exactly what it needed to be. Legendary. I think you could, you could kind of legendary. You can kind of <laughs> say the same thing about the the Judgment Day match and the Steel Cage match were both just sort of like I don't know if they were. I mean, I think they were. You know, whatever we used, whatever the vague concept of pay per view quality was, but they were also a little bit. They were also just sort of like they weren't the biggest matches of the night. They did what they were supposed to do. I don't know. Uh, why doesn't everybody take a match and just uh, tell me tell me why you uh, have feelings about? Um, it? Well, I I did the uh, I wrote about the Omas and Strowman match for this week's column, and I, I definitely think it did exactly what it was supposed to. What I was hoping, which was Miron look good, but also look human in a way that his him being pushed for the last couple of years as a monster heel has kind of diminished. Because there's only so much you can do to like escalate how many stuff he can, how many things he can lift, how many pounds he can lift. So to see him be human against a mo- someone supposed to be a monster, I thought was a, like a fantastic way to use Braun and reintroduce him at that like p- uh, pay per view ple. I'm, I'm kind of bummed out you, you mentioned that match because that was one I was going to talk about. I was actually blown away by how gotcha. much I enjoyed I you. You're too quick on the draw for me, Nick. I wanted to get in there first, but I was blown away by how entertaining that quick little match was when usually those kind of matches are just big plotting dudes. But when Braun Strowman got stopped during his, his uh, freight train thing, for some reason that totally popped me. I was like, Oh my God, he, he can't even, he can't run over Omos. I actually really enjoyed it. He didn't that. get tricked uh, or anything. So- he just got stopped because Omos is, Bigger than him, the thing he does to other people, he was the irresistible force, and he met the immovable object. The immovable object was like, "Nah, man, that ain't it." So, like, I, yeah. it, it looked really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really, surprisingly enjoyed that match a lot. To me, in in some ways, uh, I would say it was probably my favorite match of the night. To be totally honest, I mean, I know it's probably not going to be the popular pick, but maybe just because it it caught me off guard by how much I enjoyed it, but I really liked it. Liked it was it. very, very going to go in right now. <laughs> well, wait, we got to we got to move on to other matches here. Who wants to talk about Lesnar? I, I do, and just because the ending of that match, I thought was so well done, 
in terms of making Bobby seem like just not only Lesnar's equal, but somebody who can dominate Lesnar from the big, from bell to bell. You just watch Lesnar get dominated through that entire match. And then when it was push came to shove and he realized he couldn't escape, he dug down for that classic Bret Hart finish from WrestleMania eight and survivor series 96. And we've seen it so many other times with other wrestlers doing it where they kick off the turnbuckle and they trap their opponent in a pin for the victory. And it's just a reminder that after all these years of seeing Brock Lesnar be the destroyer and the conqueror and the dominator and just suplexing and pummeling his opponents to death that, oh yeah, he's a, he's a great wrestler too in the traditional sense of like grappling and amateur wrestling. And he can, he can do that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that finish, but who do we think this has? Do you think the finish of this match or what we saw in this match with Lesnar sort of being the underdog says more about the future of Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley? Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley for sure. And what do we think? This is going to be the beginning of a, of a new, I mean, it's his, the funny thing was the post-match interview seemed like he was, you know, lacking in confidence a lot, but the match itself showed a lot of dominance. Do we think this is, it's going to be a, you know, a turn for him, not necessarily a heel turn, but just some sort of. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be like an evolution or whatever you want to call it. Call it. He's finally completely escaped. Like has escape velocity from the MVP era. I feel like, and now he can just start completely fresh and re- like he'll still be the almighty, but I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more rough edge, but I mean, not to blow smoke, but uh, we have the power board and he's number five on the power board, uh, depending on the week. And he's really the strongest booked person on the show. Most weeks he's on, they love Bobby and it was not a coincidence. He was so dominant against Brock this week. Like they they love, they love yeah, it's the old unstoppable force and movable object argument, I guess, to some extent, because you can tell how much they love Bobby. And if you're not paying attention to the Bringer Big Board, uh, you should check it out. But but you can tell, you know, statistically and just by, you know, the eye test, how much WWE loves Bobby. But then there's the question of how much they have invested in Brock Lesnar and what their plans are for Brock Lesnar. I'm not sure what this really says about it, although he is pretty much, you know, plug and play at this point they could just put him in the main event at wrestlemania tomorrow and everybody would be you know well maybe not happy about it but sort of accepting of it um but so. i think that i think that that's the point i think this does say a lot about brock lesnar's futures because i think when triple h took over you know brock took a, a bunch of l's in a row and then was gone and i think that at least for me it wouldn't have been out of the question to think that maybe brock lesnar's kind of you know, riding off into the sunset. I think a win here today says that there's absolutely plans for him in the future and in this new Triple H era. So uh, what is exactly what it means? I don't know, but it does actually tell me that he is going to be part of the future in this new Triple H era, which I think is definitely something. I actually disagree with Nick. I think it's less, he talked about uh, pulling away from MVP. It feels like this might be the Triple H give you back the gimmick you all loved and got taken away from you thing again and him just redoing the hurt business that's kind of the way he's been booking right like you guys liked imperium here's imperium again you know and it feels like that maybe this is a heel turn and we might see him in a suit with mvp omos and cedric alexander or something like that on raw on monday Cedric Alexander 2022 come on Bill like I understand what you're saying about about rebuild rebuilding that I think that should be left in the because what it was what the Hurt Business was was such a product of its time they even tried to rebuild it even before Triple H just didn't hit the same yeah, I think that I, I, there are a lot of people who are just sort of like automatically calling for a turn of the herd business. I think it'd be great because I love MVP. Um, not to say, I mean, I love Cedric and, and Shelton too. Um, Shelton's got a little something going on on main event, I believe. Uh, but it, who knows? But, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're right. I mean, it may not, it may not hit the same. And if it doesn't, that might, I mean, that, that would really feel like a loss. Um, let's roll on to the steel cage match. Drew McIntyre yeah. beat Karrion Cross by getting to the floor first after some, um, some being sprayed with mace and other, uh, lock and chain link door based shenanigans. Um, I think the ending didn't hit exactly the way they wanted it to, but, <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> what do we, 
I don't know. What, what, what did you? Is anybody a fan of this match? Does anybody want to go to bat for for this match? I, I, I gotta ask, uh, and please let me know if anyone knows the answer. Like, why do these guys hate each other? Because I, I, to me, that it matters what this whole gripe is about. Because they act like it's a blood feud, but the way they win matches act like it's just a, I'm just trying to get a win, and so I don't understand what this is all about or what they're trying to accomplish and i feel like that's why everything in this falls flat because uh, drew is building up to this has been like i'm going to destroy you carrying cross but then he just crawls over the top of the cage and wins uh didn't he do a big I, I don't get it. speech where it was like about the end of the coming of the fallen of the days or some shit like that I don't but, know. I don't. I fast forward every time Craig crosses on my TV. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's. A, it, it, I, I said last time we did one of these. This feels like a a a, a thing where just Drew McIntyre is being kind of side drained into something, so they're ready to put him back in something that matters. And let's. Ho- I, I mean, I hope I like him, and I think this is doing nothing for him. And I hope this is. Yeah, I think this. I think that's right. This feels. This feels like a. Uh, uh, of all of the matches on this card, this felt like a match that pro- that might not have happened if it hadn't been for the you know the, the scale of the Saudi Arabia event, right? So I mean, they could have just ended it last time and they they wrote in the 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 vehicular manslaughter attempt just to sort of keep things going. I'm not exactly sure what the feud is here. Drew is, you know, uh, low key. I mean, Nick can speak to this, but but Drew even you know, in over the past several months has been pretty protected. You know, I mean, people don't just beat Drew without some sort of shenanigans involved. And, and, um, you know, you're right. I, this, this, this has always felt like, like they're kind of keeping these both guys warm. So I'm not exactly sure what the plan is here. I, I don't know. So I, I think Cross's thing is that he's upset that Drew got pushed. Like, I think that's the entirety of his beef with Drew. It's also weird. Cause when he did the interview with you, he was like super breaking kayfabe and it was super interesting, but I was like, I have no clue what your character motivation is, <laughs> which is fine. That's my question. That's my question. And, and I, and on the, on the show, the Megamania podcast, I, I tend to be like the guy that tends to poo poo this, but the character wise, are we connecting with carrying? I'm not. I mean, it does. Scarlet's cool. No, no you guys, cool. He, it's an I, owl. They need to, uh, he's, he's, I think the the biggest L of the Triple H era is oh by a lot yeah doesn't connect with anybody at all and I like him a lot as a person any non wrestling interview or promo I've ever seen him cut or interview I've seen him do he's a super thoughtful interesting guy who like is funny and engaging and I do not understand why they don't make that his character on the show but evil like just do that but evil it's not that hard I also think with Brew. They don't want to make him out to be a contender against Roman until they absolutely need to break that. So they're just, like everybody keeps saying, sidetracking him in these things. Be like, uh, you have enough juice that we can use this, use you to boost, boost him. But I don't know how long it's going to work. Yeah. With I, mean, I, carrying. I, I think all these things, though, like I said, it, it comes back to, we, talk, we can talk about character or presentation, whatever. I, I think, at least for me, as a viewer... I want to know, like, what's his motivation? Again, why, like, okay, he's jealous that Drew McIntyre is, is doing well. I, well, I think there's, there's two things. Well. I think I there's get... a character motivation and the motivation for hit that character to be involved with Drew. And the character motivation is he likes to destroy people and take over things. The actual feud motivation is like, and he's in my way which is not going to work when the guy's as protected as Drew and you're as unestablished on the main roster as Carrion. It just comes off as almost like sour grapes. But in his way for what? Like, what is he in the way? In the Whatever. Way? Well, that I did. Then that's the problem. It's like, we don't know what he actually wants. And that's that, like, we're speaking to the issue with Carrion Cross character. Champion. When he like, was... When, when when I when I interviewed him, he said pretty specific, pretty explicitly what you know other people have talked about, which is he and Triple H, you know, it, it, the, back in NXT came up with this like this like you know pretty elaborate mythology for this. Basically, he's basically like a comic book supervillain who's obsessed with time. Like that's the idea, and he's he wants to conquer everybody, and he's just and time is his weird just like you know Batman Rogues Gallery obsession. And I think that there's probably an element to this where. 
you know, it felt like it was working in NXT and then it got yanked out from under them for both of them on the main roster. And they're both probably a little bit too caught up in the whole lore aspect of it right now. And the backstory that they built and haven't really expressed um, to, you know, now that they're having the opportunity to actually do it. So, you know, we, we might be seeing some tweaks moving forward. Who knows? I just think this was the bad outside of the first match. I just thought this was a bad place for both Drew and Cross. I mean, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, clash the Titan style stuff, but if, when the stakes are so uncertain, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it, which is really the case as long as Roman, as long as Roman reigns is champion, you know, it, it doesn't feel like there's, this is a natural, like number one contender spot or, or, you know, th- that you'd really have faith in either of these guys going up and, and, and defeating him, dethroning him. Um, uh, it just ends up instead of like making both guys look good, which is sort of the theme of the night. Um, it just sort of makes both guys like you're confused by both guys. So the worst um, thing that ever happened to pro wrestling is people, uh, wrestlers starting to read comic books. That would be my, <laughs> that would be my qualification of his comic book villain obsessed with time gimmick. But, you know, like this is a, this is a, never read a, never read a comic book. This is a very, this is a very, uh, Jim Cornette take, I believe for, on, on, uh, on your part. I really appreciate it. Also um, very disrespectful uh, to Calendar Man, but whatever. <laughs> um, uh, what else do we have here? Ju- the Judgment Day match, I thought, it, as far as these things go, um, I think the most notable thing is that the OC didn't have an equalizer for for um, Rhea Ripley. Cool. And I don't know if that's if this is going to come down the road or, or whatever is going to happen. But this it was a fun match, but uh, you know it felt a little bit like a placeholder in the, in the larger scale of this feud. Did anybody, anybody want to go to bat for this I'll one? I'll talk a little about it. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I'm, a, I'm, uh, it's amusing how much of the backstory of this match is bullet club and new Japan related for a promotion that historically for the entire years is they'll be siloed almost everything out, uh, in the rest of the wrestling world from that. Like that was like, you know, Michael Cole was just going through, the Bullet Club Wikipedia page on on commentary, which is really it sure was. Yeah, I'm really I think Dominic uh, is a guy who I'm really who I think really blossoming as kind of a sleazy shit. His his true biological father Eddie Guerrero has you know the, you can see the blood running through his veins with a lot of the stuff he's doing. I'm not Eddie Guerrero, but I think he's really effective in this. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty good match. I enjoyed it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a giant good brothers guy and i don't really know what they're adding to the to the to this uh whole thing but i kind of like the the aj styles versus the judgment day part of it and it makes sense they're not doing i don't think they were doing very much storyline stuff on this show at all and that, which it seems like how normally these crown jewels go so it doesn't surprise me it feels like if they're bringing in somebody to counter rhea ripley that's happening on raw rather than happening on uh on this show which feels a little bit like a heavily uh, padded house show with a lot of stars. Yeah, I, mean, I think. Yeah, and I think they're definitely bringing somebody in the counteract Rhea Ripley, though, right? Because what did Cole say? Like as the match ended, the, she needs her ass kicked. I think was a direct quote. So I feel like yeah. he wouldn't have gone right there up to the line if, like, when he said it, I thought somebody was coming down right at that moment because I don't see him going right up to that line without them actually actually going there in storyline and putting something on screen because Cole rarely has these throwaway lines. It's usually like Wade or Corey or somebody. And even then it's like more clever. It's more of a joke. It's more something to pop the people, but Cole rarely have these throwaway lines that, that he says, and then nothing comes to fruition in the story. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, super producer Bing Cruz is in the is in the chat saying it's Raquel. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting spot because it, if you take somebody who's already on the roster, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And if you debut somebody in this spot, like if, if this is, uh, I don't know, if this is a call up, if this is you know a return of somebody, it just it seems like it diminishes them slightly to be part of this like fake bullet club. Like, I, I don't, I mean, it could, I, who knows, who knows? I don't really know. I mean, I think that the real, the real amazing success of Rhea Ripley in judgment day is that she is the woman in a 
and the one woman in the group and has not and, and, and has mattered significantly. You know, they've found a way to not sideline her to not I mean, to keep her relevant, but to also, you know, keep her active and 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 not be subordinate to everybody else. It's a really hard needle to thread in wrestling history. And I, and just giving yourself another is <laughs> creating another problem to solve like that is going to be, is, is going to be a weird one, I think. Definitely feels like um, but it wasn't star in that group. Which is, oh, by far. I mean, I mean they, they were saying that Cole on Cole called her the leader. <laughs> Cole, yeah. Cole called her the leader. Cole suggested Miko as the, Miko Satamura as the counter. And I think that's a pretty dope idea for well, all of the, they should. Um, yeah, no, they absolutely should. Uh, no, it's it, no. She she is. I mean, listen, and and they they went out of their way in in interviews and and on TV to sort of say this is a leaderless group, right? I mean, in the post Edge era, and part of what that allowed to do, I mean, allowed is for people to sort of for the fans to sort of pick for the storyline to sort of dictate, you know, for for her to become the leader in this really kind of weird organic way um, without having to say it out loud, and it's been. I mean, just incredibly effective. I'm sure everybody saw the video that was going around Twitter earlier this week of her untying a fan's shoe during, was it during Monday Night Raw, where she was like out on the floor and just for fun, like pretending to be passed out, untied somebody's shoe. It might have been a house show. Um, it was despicable. It was just, there's no... Oh, no I bet she that. grabbed a fry. That's way better. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was. Um, I mean, just fantastic work by her. And, you know, when we were down there at Barclays, uh, I was, you know, watching them come to the ring. She was just having a ball with the character just the entire time she was out there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's everybody, I mean, everybody in that group, everybody in that group looks fantastic. Um, Damien Priest, maybe, you know, kind of the least of the group in terms of like evolution in terms of like, you know, what he's gained from it. Um, but I think that this is actually a huge positive for him too. And, and wherever they end up going, I think is going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a positive. I think that the, the club, the, you know, AJ Styles and, and, and friends, um, I mean, I don't know how much it really needs to evolve. I don't know how much that group really needs to go anywhere. I agree sort of about gals and Anderson, although I think they're just, they, they're there because they are who they are and that's fine. Um, and, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes, which is more than I probably expected to say not too long ago. Um, well, we got a couple of tag team matches here. Um, the Usos, I mentioned briefly, retained the titles, and Damage Control won the titles. Um, uh, in both cases, we have, you know, if, if, if those groups are represented in war games, and we got more gold on the heels uh, for that old school war games feel. Um, what did you guys think? What did you guys think about the tag matches? I I really really liked that Nikki Cross was involved at the end of the uh, the women's tag team match because I'm watching this and I'm I'm asking myself is she attacking Alexa Bliss because they're former friends? Is she attacking Alexa Bliss because she's allied with Damage Control? Or is she attacking Alexa Bliss because she's teaming with whatever's going on with Bray Wyatt? Uh, and the fact that there's these all these branching reasons why it could be happening. Plus I just like Nikki cross uh, has me leaving that match with a very positive outlook on where things could go. I don't really understand why damage control lost the titles just to win them back a week later, but uh, it's pro wrestling. So that kind of stuff happens. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I thought that that was, you remember how things end and that's how it ended. And that's what I remember. And so that's why I'm interested. And so I liked how that one went. It was a fantastic take of of the two tag matches. This one here was a bit harder to predict. I got a prediction wrong. Um, By the way, I do think that that Kai and Sky are are, are gelling. Uh, For a long time, I was wondering if Damage Control can work as a a team or just be three individual performers or just uh, glued together. But this one, this match made me feel like they can really work with that. Um, The Nikki Cross angle, I am not as bullish on, but it is something that needs to be done because it seemed the theme of the night was just protecting everybody. But it was a solid match all around. And Saudi was was all for it. In fact, I, I would say in some ways, they're more receptive to women's tag team wrestling than most cities in this country. Flobo, you, are, are you not bullish on the Nikki thing or you think that it's bullish? Not, uh, be uh, be honest with us. No, I'm not as like I Jack is right in a logical standpoint. There's many ways it could go, but I have a feeling the reason it being would probably just be something very like like blunt and I go, uh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh so you don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. bullish either. You just kind of waiting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. 
You don't think that they're, uh, you, you don't think that she's doing Bray Wyatt's bidding on the side, do you? No, because I don't know what Bray Wyatt's doing. Is he is he doing is he in a place to do all this bidding, or is he submitting to Uncle Howdy? Is Uncle Howdy him? Like that's another issue altogether. We can get to that yeah. In the, a second. the Bray Wyatt thing is I'm, a whole yeah. Yeah, I, at least with the Fiend, you know, the Fiend was like you know this spooky clown character that can like tell people to do. But this Bray now seems like he's like at mercy of somebody else or something else. Uncle Howdy is uh, Barry Windham. Everybody knows that. Come on, dude. Yeah, that's what. That, of course. Yep. Uh, so, so I, would I guess we'll see. I, I'm, I'm very, that, uh, I'm very bearish on the whole Bray Wyatt thing, but oh, I feel way uh, complete opposite. I'm really happy that he's starting to be like, no, I'm from a famous wrestling family, because that puts him in the universe in a way that nothing else ever has. Like he's always kind of floated above it, even when he came out as the, like the swamp leader. Like this is actually like no, I'm a real person, and this is a character I play. But I've lost more and more control over that character, and now I'm here. I think that's where they're going with it, and I was actually excited. I loved the segment they had. Yeah, I thought it was good, and he got a great reaction from the crowd too, which was you know I, I didn't know quite what to expect from that um, when someone was just coming out to do a promo. Um, I, you know, I'm reluctant to to make any assumptions about who may or may not be working with him at this point, because I think that those were so overblown at the beginning. I think that the only people that really matter in the storyline are Bray and Bray and whatever mask he's wearing at the time. Um, It'll be interesting. I mean, honestly, at some point, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think it's, it's got to, it's going to be interesting to see how long they think they can tease it out without, you know, like announcing a match or like, you know, (laughs) or, or just kind of giving us some sort of, concept of what the framework of this narrative is we've been working i think so far but it's so counter to what we're used to watching a lot of the time that i don't know it's 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 a it's a high wire act um this episode is brought to you by thomas's thomas's presents technique with tom slicing an english muffin with a butter blade boulder dash just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor for each one is unique like a snowflake Thomas's huzzah a toast to breakfast okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, getting back to the card, what do we think about the the Usos Brawling Brutes match? I mean, you get, you get great wrestlers, you get a great wrestling match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, what I love about the Brawling Brutes right now is that uh, they in this situation they're clearly the good guys, but they can still kind of act jerky, you know, and still sort of uh, brutish, if you, know, you will, brutish. Yes, you know, so they're not just like clean cut, corny uh, baby faces, as we'd say, but uh, they're still the good guys here. So you don't feel like a cornball rooting for them, but uh, it's it, they're you're still getting all the fun of rooting for the good guys, if that makes sense. So I like the dynamic of this one. I didn't. I, there was never a moment where I thought the Brawling Brutes were going to win it. But uh, I thought that I – well, actually, I, I should say after the white noise spot, that was a spot where I, was like, I thought they might have gotten it there. But uh, other than that, they can fight dirty. And I'm like, this is great. They're, I guess, what Star Wars would call scoundrels. You know, I, I like them. Yeah, I thought that they're – I thought that, the, that overall the Brutes – just charisma minus Sheamus was really impressive tonight. They looked really good in the match. I agree that there wasn't a lot of, you know, people picking them to win, but there were a lot of moments in the match, at least a lot of setups for pins, if not the pins itself, that seemed really um, compelling in the moment. Um, I also like how they're allowing Butch to develop as like a secret or not so secretly, like really tough, scary person who will break your hands. Like they've, uh, Holland Ridge is just a big, beefy boy. Like Bush has real, like interesting potential as a performer that they're kind of starting to dole out in these big. No, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the the joint manipulation stuff because I was I was very skeptical about how that 
aspect of his character would cross over and how that would work in these bigger arenas and from these bigger crowds, but it, it works really well. And it's even more impressive when you hear that many more people just like, oh, waiting for that snap. And then the reaction when everybody. Yeah. And I thought Ridge uh, had a really good outing too. I always like to see, I mean, it's always fun to watch the dude who kind of has the most approved in a match like this, where it's just going to be go, go, go. And uh, uh, I, I, I was really impressed with his, with his uh, psychology and everything else. I mean, he's, he's, he's so much greener than everybody else in the ring. Um, and he, he, he kept up. I'm glad he got um, his confidence really- back because yeah. um, that is the big thing. And, and, you know, fans were ready to write him off after the incident with Big E. Um, I, as a fan, I guess I could say for good reason, but I'm glad that, uh, that he didn't give up on himself, that um, the company didn't give up on him and that, you know, his crew, you know, the Brawling Brutes also didn't give up on him because, like you said, look at him now. Well, even Gargano explored that NXT when he dumped Gargano in his head. There was, a, there was a call to have him fired then, too, you know, before his injury. So, yeah, it's a lot of mental toughness there. Props to Rich. Yeah, and you can see. I mean, when I talked to these guys after their match, um, it, it was, it, you know, you, you, this stuff happens in kayfabe, you know, <laughs> like in the storylines a lot. And you can people talk about it even in real life with a little bit of a little bit of dismissiveness. But like, and all three of these guys have like really needed this group to fill a hole that they have to like to do something for them. And both in terms of on screen and off and, uh, and you know, Seamus and Pete are, have been incredibly important in his sort of mental recovery. And he'll, he'll, he'll be pretty open about that, you know? And, and uh, just like, you know, Pete Dunn needed Seamus to, teach him how to be a character to teach him how to work on the main roster to teach him how to, you know, achieve everything that he could. And Seamus needed the other two guys just to like regain his love for the sport. Um, it's been so much fun to watch him. Now, but now we have, now we have, um, our, you know, they've already announced the match of, of the Usos versus the new day on SmackDown this week. Do you think that the, the brawling brutes are going to be written out of the, the, the bloodline um, storyline for the time being? So they have a very specific reason for doing that, which is that they want to stop the streak as soon as they can. I think they'll have passed it by next Friday, but I think that I don't necessarily think, I, I really do think the Brawling Brutes are going to be involved in war games with the Bloodlines, so my guess is no. But I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I think the, the New Day obviously are coming in for that whole, you know, they don't want the Usos to break the record, which is a great story. I love that whole thing. I don't know. I, this, How many shots has the Brawling Brutes had at, at the tag team titles? It feels like they've had three or four at this point. Maybe I'm just misremembering, but I feel like as a fan, I love these guys, but I feel like I've seen this match a million times or at least combinations of this match a million times already. So I would love for the Brawling Brutes to find something else to do uh, during this time, I don't know if I'd be clamoring to see another Brawling Brutes versus Usos match. Listen, I totally agree. I'm glad that we're able to move on to something totally fresh, like Usos versus the New Day. So, I'll say this about Usos the wrestle 500 times. I'll say but this about a, Usos New Day, though. A time, a time sensitive thing for this to happen, though. Yeah, and they never disappoint. They never, ever, ever disappoint. Usos versus New Day, and um. Yeah, the Usos, I believe, are the longest-reigning SmackDown Tag Team Champions. But um, overall, the New Day are the longest-reigning Tag Team Champions in WWE history. And I think by the time they roll into SmackDown, they will be within a day of the New Day. So if, if they don't get past the New Day, then the New Day keeps the record, right? And if they, if they do, then they roll past what I, I think is 483. And then everybody can put their ones up in the air. The Undisputed at the top of the mountain longest reigning they give them all the accolades um do they actually make it past the new day i don't know i hope so but we'll see uh, jack i want to I look this up this is the second match Usos have had with the brawling brutes on television or, or, or pay-per-view so it, it's only the second match i mean they've had a couple but, of house for show the, for, the, for the titles or in general like in i think there's been they've combinations wrestled, of this happening well, already pete, pete dunn has wrestled the usos uh twice on tv and four times on house show. 
I, I did a cage match. Sorry. What about? I think I'm thinking boy. like Sheamus and maybe I'm thinking like Sheamus and Ridge together in like different combinations or something. That had to be more than twice. Nah, man, I, I just did the cage match. This happened twice. Just the one match on SmackDown and then this. But you said you said Pete Dunne though. What about like Ridge and Sheamus? Um, I'm looking up. Uh, no, they've never wrestled. Um, Russell Dewis. It does seem like it's been going on for a while, and now presumably it's over. Um, we we got to get out of here soon. Who do you think? Everybody, get one name in your head. Who's big winner of tonight? Who came out tonight looking the most better than when they went in? Who's 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 the shiniest of the of the entire roster? Let's start with uh, let's start with Flobo. Uh, woo, Amos, for sure, because this is the first time I actually seen him be in his character and do things that a villain would do, I think had the, the highest rocket today. So almost is my pick. Phil? Logan Paul. I wouldn't, Flobo, I, I think it w- I wouldn't be shocked if almost gets released next week. It kind of felt like a, it felt more to me like this, we're done with him. Well, to be fair, than, to be than, fair than a rocket. I, think, I think Logan Paul came in, his first two matches were great. This was the third part of him being great. Omos had such a low ceiling for me going into this match. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, Logan Paul had all of us in here literally believing he was going to win the world title. Um, and, you know, so I think it's got to be him. And I think that, you know, I don't know how many times, how often he's going to be wrestling, but it didn't feel to me during that match that if he won the world title, I would have been that upset about it, which seems not. Yeah, I got to go. I got to roll in right with Phil. I mean... I don't want to get off this Logan Paul train just yet, but he's my pick. Logan Paul, the big star of the night. I mean, he he hung with Roman Reigns, and not just in the way that he did it with Mayweather, where like it was clear that Mayweather was carrying him and dragging him along through all those rounds. Like he did his part. He hit him with a buckshot lariat that looked more beautiful than any buckshot lariat we've ever seen. We're not having this discussion, ever. Greg. In the history no. of buckshot We're lariats. We're not having this discussion, Greg. He pulled out that cell phone. And he did that selfie okay, that social media gimmick better than we've seen yeah. Austin Theory doing it. And uh, at this point, I'm concerned that Adam Page and Austin Theory are going to kidnap him and, and, and torture him for gimmick infringement. But with that being said, he did the, he did his thing tonight. And like Phil said, if he would have walked out with those two titles above his head, got all the million dollars worth of pyro, took it back on YouTube and, and flossed on his YouTube channel with those belts, Nobody would be upset because we would all feel like he earned it after that performance it that he been gave. Incredible. Poor Austin Theory. Talk about a guy who you, got a swagger jack, man. I don't even like I even on TV. Right, he got swagger jack. You guys, you guys, I can't believe you're here saying the the your picks are all losers. You guys are picking losers. You, the the person that I'm looking at right now is Braun Strowman. I mean, he's wrecked everybody. Now wrecked the only guy that can outbig him. I think right now the next guy who looks like the person who's going to be challenged for that title is Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, by a mile, is the one that stood out above where he was supposed to be tonight. Nick, the, former, the former world champion, the veteran. Oh, yeah, he, he did a lot to raise his series yeah, by, uh, by beating on Paul what was, Omos. What was, what, was, what was he doing six months ago? Uh, he was controlling his narrative, dude. What are you talking he, about? He this was is- controlling his narrative, and now he beat Omos, and to me, oh, he's like wow. the strongest beat- contender. My brother in Christ. I'm pretty sure they could book to- me to beat Omos. Yeah, like, it's not that big of a there's, deal. There's one person who's beaten Omos, and it's Lashley. What, what, why, why are we acting like Omos is this easy-to-beat person? I do think that, it, I do the think that there's a real... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we watched wrestling before. He's not good. Omos is clearly a Vince guy, not a Triple H guy. And I yes, feel like he I think that is the best way to put for it. This, uh promotion well i mean he's i mean he, he also he also serves a purpose right i mean he's the giant there's always a giant yeah, he's yes, actually, he's i think i think one of the while, I, think, I think i think one of the most the, the biggest things in terms of braun Strowman that came out tonight is that he's not the giant you know like he gets yeah. to be a, he gets to be a wrestler and uh and and i think that's i think that's you know a huge positive for him moving forward Thanks, uh, Nick, who you got? Who was your star of the night? <laughs> Sorry, my daughter got very excited when she heard. Yeah, uh, so I actually have uh, Bianca because I always have Bianca because she's number one on the power board and she looked great tonight and she always looks great. I think she had uh, that was my match of the night. I thought she had the best performance of the night. She can do anything. She's the best version, possible version of John Cena. 
I I don't know what else to say. Wait about a minute, you're you're saying I can't pick a, a Braun Strowman because uh, he's already done good things, but you're picking someone who was already the champion. No, the here's game. the thing. Uh, what? Okay. No, that's ridiculous. Okay. One person won a world championship last man standing match, and the other person spent like eight and a half minutes in the ring fighting a statue. And lifted him up and dropped him on the ground. You're saying he carried a statue? I mean, that makes sense. It's a great performance. Um, I'm surprised nobody said um, said Bobby Lashley as their big winner. Although, oh well, Bobby Lashley is implied. Yeah. So, but he he looked really good tonight too. Um, Rob Lopez in the in the chat said Michael Cole is low key the big winner of tonight. Great outing by Cole. It feels. Um, it, oh. Michael Michael Cole is in his like last like late era Cena run right now, where just everybody finally admits or finally is, is able to say that they love him. And after all, he's you know all the mediocrity he's given us over the years. So this is really really incredible work by him. It's so much fun to watch him. Michael go. Cole's a great um, pick just because of DWI driving while insane. Go look up Yeah, on YouTube. If nobody's ever seen Yuki Ishikawa, who's the weirdest guy to ever get name dropped at a WWE pay per view, but one of the all time greatest professional wrestlers ever. Um, and if you want to see something really sick, Google uh, YouTube him versus Daisuke Ikeda and Suzuki. Yeah, you know, the grossest match you'll ever see. All right, everybody, do that. Um, I think we picked a lot of good winners tonight. I think Michael Cole is a good one. I think. I mean, I'm, I would just probably go boring and go with Roman Reigns. Uh, I think. I think, um, uh, you know, Roman's definitely in that phase in that phase in his own career where we should just treasure seeing him every time we can, you know, and uh, and and this was a really fun match, man. And I think that on rewatch, we're going to appreciate him more and more for how he was able to elevate the whole thing just with his skills and his presence and everything else. We got to get out of here. Um, that was the uh, WWE Crown Jewel Ringer Wrestling Post Show. Uh, thank you guys all for doing this. Thank you for uh, everybody who was speaking. Thank you for everybody who was in the chat. And um, yeah, thank everybody for hanging out. We'll be back uh, for in some form or fashion for Survivor Series War Games. And until then, remember to check out all the great shows in the Ringer Wrestling Show feed, Mac Mania, Cheap Beat, and the Math Man Show. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. <laughs> 